Lucky Land slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Tracy Ariel, and I am unapologetically Canadian. Two years ago, I had the opportunity to speak with Rock Carrière, the author of The Hockey Sweater, a fabulous book. And I thought as uh, spring is a little bit slow in coming this year, it might be fun to hear that conversation again and talk about the wonderful story that is The Hockey Sweater. Just to hear a little bit about Rock Carrier, who is a, an amazing author who has uh, worked with everybody who wanted to adapt his book. And uh, he's just a wonderful person, and I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. So uh, I guess the first thing I would like to say is congratulations. It seems like you're everywhere these days. Uh, yes, there is a number of things that are happening, and uh, I'm very lucky. So basically, is this new excitement a strategy on your part? Did someone reach out to you? <laughs> no, no, there's no strategy around that little story, you know. Just things happen, and the story is getting more, more and more popular because uh, I, I don't know why. Perhaps it's a good story. Uh, there was never a special strategy around around that story. You know, just an anecdote that I turn into a story, and people keep connecting, and they have been connecting for the, sometimes three generations. Yes, exactly. I hear. <laughs> I was in uh, in Calgary some days ago, and <laughs> they were grandparents asking me to sign the book that they had when they were kids. You know? Oh, how wonderful! <laughs> That's great. So grandmother, much. grandmother, telling me, "Oh, I read that story when I was a little girl. I read that to, I read it to my kids." <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's amazing. Yeah, there is no uh, no marketing that can do that. You know, it just happened, and uh, I'm very, very, very privileged. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> well, you captured, I think, the um, the sentiment of a lot of people in that story. Yes, you know, when I go to schools, by example. And before reading the the hockey sweater, I asked the kid, "Did it happen to you that you had to wear something that you didn't want to wear? You were the other hands, you know. <laughs> Everybody had that type of experience, and perhaps it's because of that that the story is <laughs> successful." Uh, have you ever? And so that's just your question. Have you ever had to wear something you didn't want to wear? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, little boys, big boys. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true. It's true. Um, and uh, now the thing is, what's interesting now is that you have so many. I mean, 
you have been doing readings at schools, and there is the um, NFB film project on that. Well, actually, I have a copy of that. Uh, I think I still have a VHS in that particular film. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, you have, so it's almost like every decade or so, someone comes up with a new way to present it. Yes. And now the big thing that's coming, uh, everything for for me is a big thing, you know, because everything, every activity is like a, a gift to me. Uh, I have this tour of uh, uh, orchestras that I'm, I've been doing for now five years. Uh, the Abigail Richardson uh, composed uh, a music, a symphonic uh, music around the story. And uh, it started very small. I think that first I was uh, uh, received a phone call asking me, "Would you, uh, would you be free for one evening to come read the story with the symphony orchestra?" Right, right. <laughs> of course, I, I answered yes because I, I, I like a challenge. I like to do what I, <laughs> I never did, you know. <laughs> I'm ready to do anything that I never did. You know what right. I'm attracted by that. And finally, I think we we were there for in Toronto. I, I think we gave uh, 14 readings uh, at the Roy Thompson Hall. So that wow. was really, that was really something. <laughs> and I'm very happy because I'm going back to Toronto in uh, two or three weeks from now. What are you do doing for that? I'm sorry? What, what are you going to be doing there? I will be doing the same thing, reading the Hockey Water story with the symphony orchestra. Oh. And it's wonderful. You know, people come and they wear different sweaters. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the musician, you know, they put over their, their black <laughs> outfit. They put on their, their, their favorite sweaters. Oh there is competition. There is such an atmosphere, and all that is such in a good mood, you know. Never, not once, uh, there was something like uh, pants because of uh, belonging or not belonging to this team. There is always <laughs> uh, multiple pleasures. <laughs> well, it's kind of... Um absurd in a way, you know, having this hockey mood at the symphony orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the, the music, the music is great. I mean, it's amazing. I just, uh, uh, two weeks ago, I was in Kingston, and let's say, the, the, I think that all the, the players uh, in the symphony, all the musicians in the symphony, I think they had an experience of hockey. So they were hockey boys <laughs> and hockey girls to playing this music and having fun, having fun. And at the same time, you know, I heard them talking like musicians between musicians and talking about the quality of that music and all that. And it's entertaining. And at the same time, it's good music. <laughs> <laughs> And for me, for me, it's a, it's all a new, a new experience because 
even if I listen to a lot of music, I'm no musician, you know. I don't have a sense of rhythm. I have nothing of the mu- musician. So for me to be, to come into that universe, <laughs> it's quite interesting. <laughs> Well, and now the um, the seagull will be doing a musical. So you're going to be the next West. Yeah. you're going to be uh, like that... the next West Side Story. <laughs> Before touching that, I will. Uh, I like to tell you that after my reading in Calgary, mm-hmm. after the the, uh, the the symphony was applauded and all that, uh, somebody came on the stage. And I was made a member of the Order of the Black Hat. And I received a huge cowboy hat, white cowboy hat. And I had to make some kind of statement about how I will wear the, the, this hat. And, and I was explained that it was like receiving, giving the, this hat was like giving the keys of the city. Oh, isn't that wonderful? And I have to declare that Calgary is the queen uh, of the cow towns. <laughs> you have to declare that when you're wearing the hat? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, at first I had an objection. I said, and it was just improvised, you know. I said, hey, if I say that, and if another city is not, doesn't agree with that, they can sue me. <laughs> but all that was made with humor and with laughter. That was, that was great. Oh, that sounds so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, you mentioned the the, the musical that is coming. Uh, it is a very special project, and it's very exciting. I don't know much yet about it. I just received this morning the libretto, the text of the the story. So I didn't have time to to read it yet. But uh, Emil Sherm did a lot of theater before that, a lot of books, and I'm very confident. Well, that's fabulous. Well, and I'm sure if you have comments, then he will help, you will be able to tell him. That. Yes, but uh, I told him that I didn't want to get too involved, you know, because I, I want to keep a, a certain uh, freshness, if it's a word, uh, around around that story. And I don't want to turn it upside down. And uh, no, it's there, and <laughs> it's amazing. When um, now it's many years ago, it's over 35 years ago, when they decided uh, the publisher wanted to do a book, uh, illustrated book for the for the story. I met uh, Sheldon Cohen, the artist. Who will uh, draw? The, will make the drawings? And he was asking me a lot of questions, and I was very impressed by the way this, at the time, unilingual English-speaking young man will talk to my unilingual French-speaking mother. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's say I was there with them, you know, and I I I, I could not talk with them. They were involved in something. <laughs> Discussing the curtains in the door of my child's room or something like that. Anyway, it, it, it was a good uh, encounter with Sheldon. And at the end, what we were talking about the book uh, and, the, and, the, and the drawings. I told them, at the time I had a swimming pool and I had two young daughters and they were playing a lot in the swimming pool and using a lot the diving board. And so then I said, Sheldon, I know, I know. This story is your driving board, diving board. So use the story as your diving board. And that's what he did. And his drawings are just wonderful, free, inventive, fresh, a lot of action, a lot of humor. And I decided to, to give the same advice, to have the same attitude for Emil Scher's project. Ah. I told Emil, Emil, I don't want to be involved. Uh, I might give you information if you want, but I don't want to be involved in the, in the, in the writing. This is your story. Use it as your diving board. Oh, so then they can bring their own creativity to it. Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's a fabulous... Uh, um, yeah, because I guess you would never have... I mean, you would never have so many versions of this. If you didn't I'm sorry? Have that. You wouldn't have so many versions of the hockey sweater if you had tried to keep control over everything. Yes, exactly, exactly. But again, it wasn't a strategy. It was just, uh, let's say, what I was thinking at the moment. I, I made a decision. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was just a happy, uh, it was a, a strategy without knowing it. An unintentional yeah. strategy. <laughs> um, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what about um, you know, the continual thoughts and popularity of the story? You talked about that. Um, so, and you obviously enjoy working in new ways to present this again. Yes, like I'm going through a, a new, a nice experience uh, to celebrate uh, uh, Canada and uh, uh, Foundation Montreal. Celebrate Canada anyway. In my village, the, the small village I come from, oh, okay. they decided. To let's say it's a very small village. Huh? There is 1,800 population. You know, it's uh, it's very it's very small. But there is a lot of uh, dynamism there. There is a lot of creativity, and a group of students and citizens got together and they made a theatrical adaptation. Adaptation for the theater of one of my books. In French, it's called Les Enfants du Bonhomme dans la Lune. Uh, it was translated into English by The Hockey Sweater and Other Stories. So they adapted uh, an, about a dozen of the stories for the stage. And they will have a premiere, an opening, uh, uh, Saturday, this Saturday. So I'm going to my small town, uh, a small village, I should say, and there will be this opening, you know. 
with 12, 12, I think, I was told, uh, actors on the stage. Oh, my God. And I think they have music on the... (laughs) (laughs) And it's supported by the Caisse Populaire uh, of St. Justin. It's supported by... uh, They have a big, a big... uh, a big company there. It's called Rotobeck. They do some mechanical uh, arms, you know, like a, a like an arm that could take a big tree in the forest, clean the branches, and put the tree in the back of a truck. So that's oh what. That's, <laughs> that's what they can do, and uh, the, uh, some kinds of cranes. So they are they are producing that. And it's an invention of a gentleman uh, in the village. You know, he started in a small garage. He was repairing cars. And suddenly uh, we have engineers there. We have uh, designers. (laughs) That's wonderful. uh, Yes, I think it would be wonderful. I'm very, very, very uh, uh, curious to go. And uh, (laughs) and they make things happen, you know. (laughs) They are not waiting for somebody else to save them. Right, right. They do the job. Oh, my gosh, that's wonderful. Um, and do you, have you been back there very often? Uh, yes, most of the time I go for, uh, once a year. You know? Okay. Uh, now, I must say that I, uh, most of the people I grew up with uh, disappeared. I think I'm one of, of the last that uh, is surviving. So there is less and less people that I know, but I still have some family, sister, brother. So I go at least once a year. Right. Okay. How old are you? Uh, 52. <laughs> no, you don't believe. <laughs> no, no, I am I, 53. I, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will be 80. In two months, in May. Ah, okay. Well, happy birthday. Uh, and it, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. It's, uh, it's uh, nice to, have to be talking to someone who is comfortable with their age <laughs> and still having so many adventures. It's almost like a new world. <laughs> um, now, uh, one that leads back, I mean, you've been living in Montreal for many years now. Yes. Um can you tell me a little bit about how you feel about the city and how it's changed and how those changes have influenced you? Ooh, that's, that, 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 that's a good question. Yes, the city changed. And the, <laughs> let's say uh, my wife and I, we are big walkers, you know. Oh. And both of us, uh, when we do our walks in the morning, sometimes we explore the city. And by example, it's quite interesting to walk on Sherbrooke Street towards east. <laughs> and we have to say that most of the buildings that we see now were not there when both of us arrived in Montreal. <laughs> oh, wow. That's quite something. You have new areas that are developed. Uh, there is Saint Henri, and it's an area that I I know I know very well because I, sometimes I was working with a theater company and we have our officers in Saint Henri. So for three years we were I was with the 
that company in Saint-Henri, so I know the place quite well. And it's amazing now to go back to the same street and to see what happened, the changes that happened in terms of building, in terms of population. Uh, uh, that's really, uh, that's really uh, amazing. And can you tell me how that's affected you? Has it affected the projects you take on? Has it? Uh, what do you think about Montreal these days? Uh, it's a very interesting city. There is a lot happening. Uh, it's open, open-minded. There's a lot of freedom, and uh, there is also, I must say. Uh, no, I will not say. <laughs> I like, I like, I like Montreal. But we have to decide what we want to do. You know, we are going. Uh, there is this feeling that we are improvising without an objective. You know, it's a simple way of putting it. You have to know where you want to go and what you want to do. Right. And this is never clear. You know, there is a lot of improvisation and uh, waiting for somebody else. Even if there is a lot of dynamism, uh, there is a feeling. What do we want to do? What What do we want to do in ten years from now? What do we want, and how do we want to reach there? For, for me, it's missing. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's a sort of an ad hoc, uh, a, yeah. place, a place of many orange cones. Yeah, and uh, let's say I, I, I wrote a book. I spent 13 years writing a book about Malcolm and Wolf and uh, those, uh, the end of what was the, uh, the, the French uh, ownership in some way of, uh, uh, of what, uh, what we call Canada now. Right. And there was such a lack of political will and a lack of uh, there was corruption and there was a lack of imagination. What do we do with this territory on the other side of the ocean? And when I see what's happening today uh, in Montreal, in Quebec, I feel that there is something like that. And it's not a way of having success. Right. Yes. We need a vision. We need a, we need a vision. We need a will, and we need uh, we need other strength to to make it happen. Right, right, right. Um, towards but the... having said that, <laughs> I did some politics on for my life, you know, uh, and I think uh, yes. Uh, what what did I wanted to say? Uh, no, having said that, you know, Montreal and the only and Quebec, it's enjoyable, enjoyable. Uh, we have, the, let's say, our, our kids, for example, have, they have access to affordable education. You know, what I think that in you know, our neighbors in the U.S., you know, uh, to go to university, the tuition fee will be something like fifty thousand dollars, right? And we and, and more, and more, and to see the conditions we have here, I think we should uh, be happy and dance uh, along those conditions. And when we finish, then say, 
we have to work. Right. Um, well, and you seem to be you're doing your part. You're uh, <laughs> you're certainly staying active. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, uh, when I was something, I think I was 14 years old because, and in those days, 14 years old, uh, you were a man, and if you're a man, you have to work. So I was uh, going to the boarding school at that time, but in the, during the summertime, I was 15, I, I was 14, I had to work like a man, right. and I was working with a team of men, and my job was, like the other man, was to chew with shovels, to gravel in trucks, for the trucks to bring this gravel to build the road. It oh, was wow. duplicit. It was duplicit time, and during ele- during the election time, <laughs> election campaign, they were building roads and oh, gravel. Of course, like they are now. Like they are now. <laughs> <laughs> so I had my my new jeans. I had brown working boots, and uh, uh, yes, I had blisters on oh, my. Sure on my hands, and that was painful. And I remember once, one of the workers was not very good to me because I missed my turn of throwing my shovel of of gravel in the truck. And he asked me, hey, what are you doing? Are you a man? Are you made in men's dough, a pot dung? Yeah, so I'm 14 years old, you know, and blisters is burning and all that. And the boss of the team took that guy and told him that he was a huge, big, uh, fat uh, nothing with some swelling around that. And then the boss came to me and said, listen, you're working, your job is to put gravel in the truck. If you don't put the gravel in the truck, the gravel will not jump in the truck. <laughs> That's been, let's see, I studied Latin, I studied Greek, I studied Spanish, big writers, but the principle that drove my life came from this man. If you don't put the gravel in the truck, the gravel with the chop in the truck. And this is amazing. I told that story last June. I received a doctor's degree from University of Vancouver. And I was speaking to uh, something like 200 students graduating in sciences, BA in sciences, master in sciences, doctor in sciences. And I told them that story. If you don't put the gravel in the truck, the gravel don't jump in the truck. And I received a number of letters, emails, saying thank you for this advice. Wow, really? <laughs> that, that yeah, that was <laughs> it was I, I was impressed. You know. <laughs> and why? And many of those students were, were from uh, Japan or China, you know. And uh, I, I, I was really amazed, you know. I was just saying an anecdote. And, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but the principle drove your high life. I mean, so it shows you were able to accomplish things because you always kept moving forward. Yes, yes, 
and uh, and still today. I mean, it's uh, pretty impressive. Um, were you? Uh, um, you were saying you were publishing a new book. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, yes, uh, it's called. It's in French. It's not yet translated, but I think it will be. Uh, it's called Demain j'écris un roman. Ah, okay. J'écris. Tomorrow I will write a book. Uh, yeah, a novel. A novel. And can you tell me about it? What is it about? <laughs> it's about me after uh, having spent uh, more than 13 years writing history, doing research, checking uh, documentation, checking uh, uh, history book. So I'm finished with that, and I'm going back to the fiction. Oh, now, okay. what happened in the, bra- in the head, in the brain of a writer who goes back to fiction and is enjoying so much his freedom? <laughs> everything happened. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's wonderful. <laughs> Everything happens, and a lot happens, and a lot doesn't happen, too. (laughs) (laughs) So appreciate your time, and... uh, Okay, thank you very much. It was a pleasure, really. You've been listening to Unapologetically Canadian. This episode was brought to you by Thrive Themes. Use Thrive Themes to make your website look the way you want it to. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.